Sid. Yeah? I know we're just finishing up Los Luchadores, but I have something about it that won't leave me alone. What, how much of a garbage boy Turbine is? I mean, yes, but no. So what is it? Okay, so you know how in the episode World Without Lobo, the alternate universe version of Maria Valentine mentions a Lucha Underground because Lucha Libre is outlawed by the whelp. Okay, and? Well, do you think it's the Lucha Underground? Like, it's the temple? Does Dario Cueto exist in this universe as a crime boss working against the whelp? That is a good question. And of course, they've been going at it for the past 20 minutes now. This is for the Lucha Underground Championship. And Turbine is just being demolished by Pentagon. Super kick catches right on the chin. And Turbine is left in a daze. Now goes in, tries to go for the package pile driver, but no, Turbine escapes. With the side Russian leg sweep, heading up to the top now, following up. Shooting star onto the knees. Turbine did not make that one at all. And now Pentagon goes in for the package pile driver. Saddle, Miero. Oh, right on the head. One, two, three, it's over. Pentagon is the Lucha Underground champion. And Turbine, oh, looks like he's going home with a souvenir. Looks like they're going home with a souvenir. And Pentagon going for it, asking the audience to shh. Oh! Turbine's arm just snapped backwards, courtesy of Pentagon. And Turbine is wallowing in pain as you see the arm dangling. Wow! Just another victim. Lobo's CGI car rocket Sid. And I'm Maria Valentine's crimping iron Ashley. And this is Rangers Splain, where Sid, lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes Ashley, Power Rangers newbie, through the world of Power Rangers. And this month we're taking a Ranger break and go over a very weird and short-lived series called Los Luchadores. In the bustling metropolis of Union City, Lucha Libre is the sport of choice. Among the Technicos and Rudos that populate the city, there is one that stands as the shining beacon of heroics and goodness, the great Lobo Frote, and his teammates Turbine, Maria Valentine, and, and technical genius Laurent. He protects Union City from the evil right in their midst. What is that evil? Well, mostly a possessed cyborg chihuahua. Yeah, it's that kind of a show. Yeah, so, um... The biggest thing I could say about Los Luchadores, besides the fact that I remember watching this show, uh, it's fucking weird. <laughs> it was a, like, yeah, it was super weird to watch, because, you know, we were expecting some sort of henshin hero show, and it's just like, no. No, it's, it's more, it's very tokusatsu, like, don't get me wrong, but, like, it's sort of, like, tokusatsu meets luchador movies meets batman 66 so campy and like they did do one of those like 
uh, like, Lobo takes off his mask to reveal another mask. Yes, oh god, I died at that part. Like, my favorite, favorite luchador trope ever. Woo! Oh, uh, there's also, like, an evil-possessed mask. Oh, yeah! <laughs> at one point. It's like, the mask of Diablo Azul. <laughs> that's actually one of my favorite episodes of the series if i'm being totally honest it's fucking great yeah um it's like especially since like the beginning the guy just goes and robs a mask maker and i'm like (laughs) what we gotta have a stupid plot contrivance to really get the plot going so why not why not and it's like this mask maker holds like a cursed item in his safe It's, it's like, and it's like, well, I don't need money, but I definitely need this cursed mask. <laughs> oh, um, so something interesting about the show, and we're going to talk about this at one at, later in the episode, is that it seems like it's very likely that the episodes of these aired out of order. Yeah. But there's so little continuity between it that, like, it really only matters that it was aired out of order at one point in the entire series. Yeah, and I was like, it feels like three episodes from the end, it was supposed to be the last episode because they get frozen. Hmm. And you're like, oh, man, what's going to happen next? And you, you realize, like, that was probably the end of the series. And instead, like, they had a, a random episode where, like, this woman turns, she's obsessed with Lobo Frete and she turns into a spider. I don't think the spider episode came after that, but, like... I was talking about, like, the last episode was, was that... Right, that was the... It seems like that was the last aired episode, but, like, yeah, I just... I had to imagine that had to be a pain in the ass if you're, like, you know, you're actually watching this and you're invested as a child and, like, you see them get frozen and you're, like, as a cliffhanger and you're, like, oh, what happens next? And then the next episode doesn't even address that whatsoever. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're fine. The wealth's suddenly missing. <laughs> yeah, like... What happened there? I have so many questions. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've talked a little bit about the series so far. So let's kind of get into our characters. So the first one that we mentioned previously is the great Lobo Fuerte, who is sort of our main good guy slash the best luchador in Union City and possibly the world. Um, so his whole thing is that he's sort of just the ulti- the ultimo technico or technico ultimo. I it's been a long time since Spanish class. But anyway, he is like the ultimate good guy. He's the paragon of good. He is the John Cena of luchadors. Amazing cuz you can see him unlike John Cena who's invisible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of it about Lobo Forte because like again, they sort of just go on this whole route of that he's like the ultimate good guy, and, like, he's sort of, like, he's extremely lawful good, but I guess. Not in, like, an insufferable way, though. Like, I enjoyed Lobo a lot. Yeah, like, he's, like, he's very charming. Like, yeah. I will I will give him that. But yeah, Lobo, he's very charming, he's very nice, he's very much about, like, the honor of Lucha Libre, which is, like, I think it's interesting that they went that route, because um, I, I would have expected that they would have been more, like, Oh, it's just mass wrestlers and not talking about, like, how much of, like, it, it, it's viewed as, to you know, if you are in that position, it's a very much an honor to uphold the standards of Lucha Libre in your community. Oh, yeah. Like, for, for those, I guess, uh, not into wrestling, Lucha Libre is a very serious thing. Kind of yes, awesome because um, of how serious it is. Yeah, and, like, specifically, like, a lot of the wrestlers who are, you know, they are luchadors by trade that are masked, like, a lot of them, you don't know their identity. Yeah. Like, you don't know who they are outside of wrestling. 
you know, and they are, you know, they still still serve your community. Like you had those luchadors, including Bandito, uh, who's he wrestled in the United States with Ring of Honor and a few other places. But like Bandito and a bunch of other luchadors were going around Mexico City, like putting people in masks and sanitizing them down during COVID-19. I mean, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. Don't get me wrong. I think they were also help- helping with vaccination, right? Yeah, they were, like, helping, like, you know, get the elderly to vaccination sites and also helping entertain people while they were waiting for their vaccinations. Like, it was very much a, like, like, they were very much doing it in service of the community, especially because, like, there hasn't really been a lot of lucha shows going on right now because of the pandemic. I think one of my uh, favorite, like, both in serving community, but also protecting your identity, I forgot who was running for, I think, a mayor of a city, but he dropped mm-hmm. out because he would have had to have revealed who he really was. I I think I remember that, but I swear it was more of that. And, and we'll look this up and put it in the show notes because I, I remember this. I just can't remember his name. I think he was like willing to share with certain authorities like who his like, he was like a sort of a city councilor position. Yeah. Of like he was willing to share with authorities like who his personal identity was, but he was still ultimately running as like his mass luchador like character. Yeah. It was very interesting. And, like, they kind of keep up with that in the entire series of, like, you never see, like, Lobo or Turbine or Maria or actually any of the luchadors that, like, wrestle without their mask on. Yeah. I mean, also, like, in Union City, wrestling is real. Yeah, that that was a very weird thing for us. It's like, oh, wow, wrestling's a real thing. So that means boxing's fake. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was real, like, professional wrestling. Turns out it's fixed, like, boxing. <laughs> but, yeah, so I like that aspect of that they incorporated from Lucha Libre is, like, the, you know, keeping the mask on and all of that. But, um... Yeah, back to... That's really about it you can say about Lobo Forte, honestly. Yeah, and like I said, it's like, he's not an annoying, like, lawful good character. I wouldn't even say he's lawful stupid, because that's sometimes what they do for plot contrivances oftentimes is make someone like that just yeah. stupid on per like, oh, I don't understand what's going on here. So, you know, he's um yeah, he yeah, he's not annoying or anything. He does fuck though. That was a quite an interesting implication, that one episode with the one lady. Oh yeah, with Dr. Harris about like it, there's this one episode where it's like he they do a brain swap episode between him and the whelp, and like he like it's the, the plot starts because, like, he his old friend, Dr. Maxine Harris, comes back into town. And, like, like they, the mayor tries to introduce them. And then, like, it turns out, oh, they already know each other and it, very well. And then Turbine <laughs> even says, like, you mean him and her? It's like, wow, yeah. wow Turbine, you just could have just said they fucked? I mean, it's still a children's show, but that's the implication, <laughs> that is yeah. The, that is the children's show version of they fucked? Yeah, so, like, I mean, yeah, especially with Lobo, like, yeah, he's shown as a paragon of good, but it's like, he's he's never, like, he never easily always gets his way out of scrapes, like, it still involves a lot of teamwork and, like, using your brain, but, like, they also, I love all of, sometimes they'll just talk about, like, they'll show how, like, good of a person Lobo Forte is, because, like, you know, he, like, there's a mass judging, there's a mass making contest with kids, and he gives the award to the one kid who did it all by himself. Yeah. Um, 
He knows sign language because, of course, he like they even joke about that in the show. It's like it's Lobo. Of course, he knows sign language. There's sign language. There's like the first episode where the kids are trying to get his autograph, and then like something happens, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry, kids. I'll come back and I'll make like go like it was like something like go make sure you leave think- an address with somebody and I'll mail you all autographs because that's my promise." Yeah, and he like he's held them like you know make sure to form a line, and if you cut, you know you'll have to go to the back and wait longer. Um, like, he's extremely polite. Like, in one episode, he, like, apologizes to Laurent for, like, yawning while they're playing chess. <laughs> and then, like, in the in the same episode with the brain swap, the way that they knew Lobo was Lobo is that they asked Lobo and the whelp, like, how old Dr. Harris was. And, um, and Lobo is just like, oh, a gentleman doesn't reveal personal information about a lady like that. And the whelp was like, ah, oh, shut the fuck up. Well, he didn't say actually that. It's like, ah, oh, whatever. She's 54. No, she said she's 31, which I guess when you're a child, that's old. That is old. And I'm like, God. That's not old, kids. <laughs> I just turned 31 as we're recording this. So I'm just like, God. So. But yeah, um, yeah, there's not really much you could say about Lobo Forte. Is that like, he's not like... A total get out of every scrape ever from the uh, his own awesomeness like good guy, but he's not lawful stupid. But yeah, you know, he just he just is. He just and is. like I'm sure I'm sure we would have seen more character stuff if like the show had continued on. But as we have it in the 16 episodes, that is the whole of Lobo Forte. Yeah, uh, and, and now we get to go with his tag team partner Turbine. Oh God, what was it when I wrote? I wrote out the outline of this, and I was listing the characters, and I went turbine, and you just run. I love how you just put under there, the first note is garbage. Yeah, that is, like, literally, we, when, and whatever Sid does the outline, because they'll start the outline, and then we fill it in when we're writing episodes, and we don't usually put any character notes on the outline before we start writing, but they already put in garbage before anything else. <laughs> turbine was and fucking garbage. Yeah, because Turbine is sort of just the, the main sidekick in this series. Yeah. And so he's kind of there to be the Robin. But in a at, sh- like, shitty way. Yeah, but it seems like they learned the wrong lesson from Batman 66 of like, you know, it's kind of like he was like, he always felt like he was five seconds away from being like, Jimmy G. Jillikers, Jimmy G. Jillikers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's just there to like make annoying quips and be whiny and like, Lobo's always kind of having to, you know, teach him, like, you know, how to actually be a halfway decent person. He's also apparently, like, a tech whiz. But he's not very good at it. Yeah. It's, it's, wow, he's a tech bro from Silicon Valley. Oh, uh, God, that was, yeah. That was probably his... <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, Lobo... Uh, but I hope he kept the luchador mask on. <laughs> the, the CEO turbine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go but, to like, the- still has the frosted tips. Uh, I'm going to Mars. Oh. Um. And then the rocket blows up, and nothing, nothing of value was lost. Right. Oh God. Yeah. So yeah, Turbine. We just didn't really like him that much because, like, he didn't really give him another character or aspect besides he's young and annoying. Yeah. Like that's it. Um. I mean, yeah. I think they tried to introduce the tech stuff a little bit later in the series, but like as it stands, like he's nowhere. Like he's mostly just trying things for the sake of like he's trying things to says that will improve people's lives, but he always fucks it up. And it's just like, okay, you're just really bad at this. Yeah. Um, 
And so we spent like half the series being like, oh my God, shut the fuck up, Turbine. And like, I think my loudest one was in the episode with the aliens. Okay, I should know there's two episodes with aliens. But But like, there's the one with like, you know, the aliens like that come down and abduct like this campsite and like they disable people with sound. And the only person who's not kidnapped is this, um, is this young girl who's deaf. And like, so when she comes across like, like when she's running away and they catch up with her, um, our three luchador characters and like she starts to communicate in sign language with them uh this is before like lobo forte is like oh i know sign language but like she's trying to communicate with them and like turbine's just like see see it's like she's using like a secret hand signal because she's a spy and it's like you idiot shut the fuck up turbine and sky would go great together and connor especially connor Connor just, all, like, all the time about Trent. We can't trust him. Yeah, I mean, this is, surprisingly, this was, uh, like, proto, like, Connor and Sky, And, like, this is, because this was one of the last shows produced by Saban before they sold to Disney. Yeah, and Turbine, it was just worse because, like, with Connor, you kind of understand a little bit because, you know, Trent, you know, was a bad guy for a while. But mm-hmm. Turbine, I'm like, this is a child, you fucking idiot. Yeah. So, like, yeah, gar- uh, Turbine in most timelines are garbage. Um, especially because he was the one who got possessed by the demonic mask in the Diablo Azul episode. <laughs> yeah, after the after the crook gets arrested and he gets unmasked by it. And he's like, oh, what the fuck happened? You know, uh, Turbine just looks at it and he's just like, I- I'm gonna just put this on and put a spell on me. And then he becomes evil. Yeah, and it's, like, it's it's a surprisingly dark episode for the rest of the series because, like, they talk about, they specifically talk about that they may have to kill Turbine and we're like, in order to save him. And we're like, oh, no. And, like, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, no, he might have to die. Anyway. Of course, it's a children's show, so they don't say kill, but, like, it's very heavily implied. Yeah, it's like, oh, no. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, like... The one time Turbine was not insufferable was, like, in the the alternate universe episode, World Without Lobo, is that he's a mechanic in that universe, and he's actually pretty chill. Yeah. He's a little, like, pessimistic and everything, but he's a little chill, and I, I, I think it's because, you know, he's had to deal with, like, you know bead shadow pod in society, no one liking him, that he was just like, oh man, stuff sucks here. So I gotta be, right. you know, I, I gotta actually have, uh, like, you know, mind adapted to it instead of, like, you know, guy who did the bare minimum but was constantly praised all the time. Right. I guess that's Turbine. He definitely failed up in society. Yeah, and, like, out of everybody on the show, he is the most obnoxiously heterosexual character. Oh god, is he ever... <laughs> Yeah, because, like, he spends, like, half the time, like, shitting on Maria, uh, which we're going to talk about Maria Valentine in a second. He spends, like, half the time shitting on her because she's a girl. And, like, you know, I think, like, he talks, like, like besides that, I feel like he's been, like, kind of, he was vaguely sexist at another couple of points as well. Yeah. Or I could just be imagining that. And then, like, but then they try to, like, keep setting up, like, this, like, um, relationship between, like, potential relationship between maria and uh turbine and it's like why why Ugh. she already went on a date with a princess why does she need turbine yeah exactly what was it that one episode because it had to deal with like maria like the one time we see maria dating a dude we'll get into that right in and we'll, 
Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. And, like, he spends the whole episode just basically being jealous over it. And it's like, okay, it's like, do you like Maria or are you just trying to neg her? Like, and then shut the fuck up. And then when she, I just remember, like, what you said when she was explaining what she likes in a guy. You know, I like a guy that's funny and smart and kind. And you just were like, like, you're none of that, Turbine, so go away or something. It was yeah, just be like that. <laughs> Yeah, it was basically she said that. I'm like, oh, honey, he's none of those things. <laughs> yeah, because it's like at any point, it's like he's not shown, like he's not shown to be as nice, or like he's not shown to be as nice or like valiant as Lobo. Like, oh my god, this fucking spider episode where he just spends the whole time like screaming about how scared he is of spiders. Which, mm-hmm. like, okay, I get it. It's a kids show. Like, that's. You know, that is a common trope of, like, somebody just being violently scared of spiders. But, like, you know, he tries to act like he's big and macho, but then it's, like, waylaid by spiders. Like, he can't admit when he's wrong. And, like, he's constantly, like, he's been, I think he got kidnapped a couple of times, too. Like, Maria has the record for being kidnapped, but, like... Because Turbine's dumb. He keeps getting himself into plot contrivances. Yeah, it's just like, we hate Turbine. We hated Turbine and his stupid frosted tips. Yeah. That I thought was a wig at one point, and then it was like, no. They just put no. an insane amount of hair glue there. As was the style at the time. Yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's move on to our third main character, uh, our other luchador, uh, we should say luchadora, uh, with Maria Valentine. Yeah, we should note that she was the only actor in this show that kind of moved on to doing, like, semi-regular, like, well-known, like, sci-fi TV things in Vancouver. So Sarah Carter, I believe she was on Falling Skies, a couple of other shows as well. I should admit, I get a little nervous when I see, like, a, a cute blonde actress who was based in Vancouver these days. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, if you if you watch true crime documentaries, you know exactly that I'm talking about Nexium, but I'm not going to actually talk about Nexium on this podcast because yeah. it's, a, it's a bad time. No, um, let's, let's not go there. We're not a true crime podcast anyways. Yeah, so... You can Google it. You can find other people talking about it, but I'm not. And like I said, she was not involved in it. So that's just me going on a little side trail of like looking at her Wikipedia page and just being like, oh, God, she wasn't. (laughs) Okay, she wasn't. Okay. (laughs) But anyway, um, so Maria Valentine. So her whole thing is that she's the one girl on the team. And sometimes it does feel like she is girl but yeah. like she was actually the best i think she was my favorite character she was great um, it, it, i really wish that it was just lobo and her like they just didn't make turbine a thing yeah because like she's so awesome because she's like she, she's shown to be mega confident yeah and like she's like she gets along very well with people like because like then that same episode we mentioned with the aliens like she's the one who like is going around with the with the the little deaf girl and like being very kind to her and like you know making sure that she doesn't you know get caught by the aliens and like you know she's very nice to kids in the show which is like what you should be if you're in a kids show about luchadors you know yeah like she she's definitely like you know or or lobo's the muscle of the group she's definitely like the the bard i guess of the group like she can do things obviously but she's like i'm gonna negotiate yeah and uh i should note she definitely has a major bisexual vibes yeah like like the well the the one episode we talked about she was wearing like a, a shirt that said like chips chicks and boys 
Yeah, so yeah, it was the Chicks and Boys in the Chips Ahoy, like, parody, like, font logo. And we're like, huh, interesting. And then, like, in the same episode, because that was the episode with the deaf girl, it was pretty, we were just like, wow, that deaf girl, uh, you know, that that little kid definitely had her first bi-awakening there. Yeah, because, like, you know, Maria is this really pretty girl who dresses very fashionable and is, like, willing to kind of be the big sister in that situation. And I just made an offhanded comment. Because, like, I know that I was, this was stereotypically me, like, watching these kind of shows as a kid of just being, like, I feel like that ad girl is just probably, like, might uh, might realize later that she kind of had a little bit of a crush on Maria. Yeah. And then we had, the right after was that, like, of the ones we watched, the right after was the princess episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're, we're, like, Maria literally makes friends in the middle of a match with a princess. And then, like, accompanies her around town as she's trying to basically escape her, like, her shitty, like, war- not ward, um... Bodyguard? Not guardian, like, bodyguard, whatever uh, the fuck his title was, but, like, he's shown to be, like, an old fuddy-duddy, and the princess just wants to go out, explore the city, and have fun. And who helps her out with that? Why, Maria Valentine, of course. The entire thing just definitely has this gals being pals, in quotations, vibe. Yeah. Like, the minute minute she sees Maria, it's just like, oh, she's pretty. Yeah, like, oh my god, it was so ridiculous, and, like, by the end of the episode, like, Maria has, like, taught her wrestling moves, and, like, the princess has decided that they're going to put, like, a museum, uh, related to her country within Union City, just because she hung out with Maria and decided she was so cool that, like, she wanted to come to Union City more often. <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of, like, the, the whole thing, it's like, we need to convince this princess to, to do this and all that, and Maria did all the work, just being herself and going on a date with her yeah (laughs) so because i made that joke at the end about like because i forget what they said but like i was just like yeah we fucked (laughs) and there's like one episode where she dates a guy who ends up being a working for the whelp he seems like he seems like kind of an elon musk type of guy too yeah and because he was like a journalist and his name was dirk (laughs) i am dirk it's like go away yeah, um, but yeah, they, I wish they'd really done more with her, um, because like I said, she gets kidnapped a lot in the series, and like, and then like I said, they do try to like, wedge in this possible like, oh, will they, won't they, with her and Turbine, and it's just like, why? Why? No. no. Why? He doesn't, he doesn't even like her, like, what the fuck? I mean, he likes her, but in a way that heterosex- heterosexuality says you Right, that you kind of low-key hate them, but, like, you're still attracted to them, and you don't know how to process that, so, like, yeah, you'll marry them, but you'll kind of just be mad about it the whole time. Anyway, this is why the straights aren't okay. Yeah, no. Uh, Apologies to all our straight listeners, I'm sure we have some. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Um, yeah, and then, like, the, the funniest thing about Maria, though, is that, like, yeah, so there's our 2000, early 2000s vibes throughout the entire series, but it's mostly through Maria, um, because her fashion was very much of the time. Yeah. Because uh, that's like, I feel like half the, like, looks they had for her were, like, cribbing on, like, you know, pop stars of the time. So, like, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, 
Like she's got all the like the low cut like pants and like like the clunky shoes she, and like the yeah the mini graphic tees and sometimes she has those like weird little bot like those little body like temporary tattoos. She actually like, her style reminded me of how Quinn Morganorfer from like Daria was dressed that which was mm, Daria's sister. Right. Yeah. Like all the time with these like graphic like mid mid midriff revealing tees and everything. Yeah, and, like, especially because she had a lot of, like, the 2000s, like, hair, like, trends going on. Because she would have, like, glitter in her hair or the crimping iron or, like, those, like, fake, like, highlights that were, like, done in, like, diff- weird colors. Because there's one episode where it's purple to match her mask. Yeah. Um, and then, like, uh, I think there's also times where they do, like, the the weird little pigtail things where it was, like, a group of three pigtails or, like... They were kind of bunched. They were, they were, I feel like the hairstyles department was always just, again, had 17 magazine open and were just like, okay, we're going to go with that today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it definitely felt like that. It, it, I'm going to say though, it's like early, early 2000s fashion to mid 2000s fashion. We were definitely trying to recreate the age. Yeah. And in very, very weird ways. Like yeah. I sometimes look at, pictures from the early 2000s and then sometimes i'll see pictures of myself from the early 2000s and like why did we think any of this was cool yeah (laughs) because it's just like it's very uncoordinated yeah it it truly was and kids are trying to bring that back now and i'm like why yeah it's like love yourselves like find find a better like thing to riff on or or not i i don't understand the children yeah (laughs) Okay, so let's kind of past our main luchador characters. So let's kind of move on to our support characters, which there aren't too many. So our first is Laurent, who is our kind of our tech genius uh, for the series. Like he's there to kind of just be technical support and kind of be like your home sort of home base character. Yeah, like ah, I'm tracking this guy. Thing. Yeah. Uh, first of all, he's supposed to be Jamaican. Uh, I guess because Union City is supposed to be very diverse. Yeah. Um, and secondly, he hated Turbine as much as we did. Yeah, that, that, Laurent was a great character for the fact that, yes, someone in the universe wanted to chuck Turbine through a glass window. Yeah, like, oh, like, he's, I think he spends, like, half the episodes just being, like, rolling his eyes or admonishing Turbine for how stupid he is. Yeah, I guess, like, maybe you could put him there to kind of, in that case, be, like, Lobo Forte's anger translator. (laughs) Because, like, Lolo Forte is too nice sometimes and won't, like, he'll, he'll, like, he'll, like, gently admonish, like, Turbine for doing something stupid, but, like, not Laurent. <laughs> uh, I think Laurent almost, like, I just remember one time Laurent was like, oh, I was enjoying, you know, time without you, and then Turbine started talking a lot, and then he automatically put on headphones. <laughs> Which is, I feel like, the way you should react to Turbine. Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, I sure did miss you. And Turbine, whoa, 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 and headphone right on. Yeah. Another interesting thing about Laurent, besides the fact of him being the main tech guy, is that he was possibly a magic user. Yeah, it came up in in an episode where, we'll get into the weird naming of this, uh, of mm-hmm. these episodes, but... And yeah, it was in an episode where, like, the whelp puts everyone under a sleeping spell and puts them under a dream where they're all in love with, with, with him. And, uh, you find out that Laurent knows magic? Yeah, because he has, like, this giant spell book and, like, he's trying to get Lobo Fuerte out of, like, the, the, the trance and, like, part of how he, like, knows not to fall in the trance is by eating an onion. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, like... 
I, I know that's probably just an easy plot way to just be like, oh, that's how Laurent knew how to get out of this is because the onion will jolt you out of it or whatever. But like, it's also one of those things of like, that is definitely like something that, you know, somebody who's a magic user that like definitely uses everyday objects to like perform spells would know. Yeah. Laurent. Um, Laurent, a well-rounded, uh, know-it-all technical genius. Yeah, so, like, his whole thing is that, you know, he's there to kind of just be their tech guy, but also, like, he's the sort of the exposition dump. Yeah. Uh, just, like, when a character doesn't know what's going on, like, you know, there's Laurent back at, like, Lobo Tower researching and, like, oh, you know, such and such is this person. Like, like, the French pirate who, uh... Through his own reflection. Yeah, who, yeah, who he researched and told Lobo, it's like, oh, yeah, you might want to deal with that guy's vanity or something. Yeah, so, like, he doesn't, like, he doesn't really get much character development. Like, he's sort of there to be sort of the, not Alpha 5, but, like, not even Zordon, because he's not really much of a mentor. Just, yeah, more, more like a Haley from Dino Thunder. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a lot like Haley, like. He's not really in the action, but, like, he knows his shit. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of moving on to, like, our other kind of reoccurring supporting character, uh, is Mayor Potts, and I guess by extension his, like, assistant Gertrude. Yeah, that they were just, he was just incompetent and wimpy. Yeah, and kind of Scottish. Like, weird. he had an accent that sounded Scottish to me. He was, just, he was just mostly there to get the plot going and everything. Yeah, and a little bit of comic relief as well, because, like, he's shown to, it's like, he's so, like, incompetent and sort of, like, scatterbrained that he's always, like, tripping over something or forgetting something. Or needing his, or, like, needing his lucky marbles that then will uh, be, like, Chekhov's marbles. Yeah, that was, like, the most, like, weird plot contrivance, like, throughout the whole episode is that, like, throughout the whole series, rather, is one episode involving a water treatment plant opening up in Union City, and, like, the mayor keeps looking for his lucky marbles, so that way he has them, so the speech goes well. And this has never come up in another episode, and it's introduced in the first act of the episode, and then by the third act, Lobo Forte uses the lucky marbles to trip the whelp. <laughs> yes, the whelp and his power arm. Oh my god. So it's like, okay, that's... he. Yeah, so he's just mostly there to kind of get the plot going. So he might introduce, you know, a character. He might introduce, the, you know, our main characters to another character who's in town for some reason or another. Like, um, uh, like Angus Shrub. Or Alfred Shrub, rather. Yeah. Or, um... Or Dr. Harris, or the princess, or that one archaeologist from the last episode. Uh, so, yeah, he's mostly there to kind of, like, get the plot going. And I guess because, like, you know, he's the mayor, you know, it's kind of like the mayor from the Powerpuff Girls. Like, he always knows what emergency is going on that he needs to call Lobo for. Or he's introducing Lobo to whoever the main, like, plot uh, participant is going to be. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was very amusing in the World Without Lobo episode because it was basically, you know, it's the mirror universe. And, like, you know the evil, the version of him in that universe was evil because he was competent. He also had a mustache. It was, yeah. No, it's like he had, like, a goatee, kind of. Yeah, like, the evil it, goatee. It wasn't, like, a full goatee, but it was, like, it was enough of a goatee you could tell, like, he's evil. And he knows how to walk around a place. Yeah, and, like, Gertrude was kind of just an extension of that. Like, she is recurring as well, but, like, 
she doesn't do much besides like help the mayor and they're both kind of incompetent together and like her evil version was sexy so that's how you know she was evil Evil. um so yeah i guess that's really about it for that and then we kind of have our villains of the episode uh, of the series which the main one is the well (laughs) oh god jesus what the fuck so so like when we f- the first episode we are introduced to this like evil scientist who is literally like gra- like splicing his DNA with all these animals to become this powerful supervillain and he's mm-hmm. you know uh his plans are thwarted by Lobo Frote and like thwarted by Lobo and uh while like he gets depowered like some of it transfers to this other scientist scientist chihuahua and then within like an episode or two later all of a sudden we are introduced to the whelp who talks about how that transfer turned him into an evil scientist chihuahua yeah and he's basically kind of just a little cyborg because like he has like a robotic eye and a metal ear and like he has like this little translator box it's oh my god what the fuck what the <laughs> um, fuck but like as we noted here, he's more interesting than Grum because he had power armor and a personality. Yeah, like, okay, for one, the power armor is great because it had, like, a puppet whelp. Yes! Oh my god, it was so funny! It was so funny, it was so obviously a puppet, and, and he would, it was normally how he would escalate a battle because, like, the bone soldiers would fuck up so, like, fantastically. Yeah, I think this is definitely where a lot of the Power Rangers aspect comes into it, because he had to have his own little, like, you know, foot soldier army of the Bone Soldiers, and maybe sometimes he would recruit somebody else, but every time they would fuck up, and so he would come out with the power armor. (laughs) And, like, his personality was great, because he was just like, I'm an evil fucking scientist as a chihuahua, and I'm gonna act like that. Oh my god, it was great! We love, like, the whelp was fucking fantastic. And, like, my other favorite part is, like, Sometimes, like, the head of the power armor would pop off and, like, it'd be, like, either, like, a little car or a little rocket ship for the whelp. <laughs> Looks like <laughs> Team Whelp was blasting off again! Again! But it still had the puppet in there. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, especially, like, when it was, like, I, I could just imagine this little, like, so- somebody off stage, like, using one of those RC remotes, just moving around the whelp, just... <laughs> um... Yeah, so the whelp definitely lived up to that, like, meme about chihuahuas, about chihuahuas being 50% hate and 50% tremble. Because, yeah, that dog trembled a lot. Yeah, because, like, anytime they would cut to, like, the actual, like, dog that would play the whelp, which I believe his name was Cuervo, um, that dog, like, half the time would be trembling, (laughs) um... And I think there was even one time, like, he laid down on set and, like, they just had the voice actor kind of, like... Uh, cover that of just being like oh it's it's exhausting being evil or something like that yeah. <laughs> uh. um also okay we didn't make a note in here but i feel like we should mention it about the voice actor for him deciding that the whelp's voice is like partially peter lore no it's part peter lore meets the taco bell chihuahua yeah oh my god it was so weird. It was so weird. And then, um, and then on top of that, like, his little exclamations, because the writer's like, we need something that, that has a, like, that has a Spanish word in it or something. And so, like, sometimes you go, mini chimichanga, or our favorite was Rico Suave. Yeah, that one just, like, 
we had to ask her to rewind that <laughs> because I just want to make sure I heard the phrase Rico Suave come out of the rope like a cyborg chihuahua's mouth. As an exclamation because like Lobo like came in with somebody. Yeah. Oh my God. It was very ridiculous, but we love the whelp and mm. also the whelpettes, which were like, I think just two women that he like brainwashed and kidnapped not for anything like super nefarious just to carry him around and dress like weirdly (laughs) yeah didn't like he kidnapped him because like when he was stealing something like their car ran into the 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 thing they were trying to steal yeah because they were like two women that got into a car accident and they were kind of outside in the middle of like um you know, kind of doing the, you know, checking the damage and doing the insurance exchange. And then all of a sudden the bone soldiers come by and just kidnap them. <laughs> and they're there for the rest of the series. Yep. I don't know if they're brainwashed or they're just like, okay, this dog's paying us pretty well. So, you know. E- either or, you know. Their insurance premium uh, went up. I'm sure, you know, the, the whelp might be paying well enough for that. Yeah. Um... So yeah, they just they're just there mostly to just sort of carry him around on a pillow and like accompany him while he's, you know, doing his evil nefarious deeds and having very cool outfits while doing it. Yes. Oh my god. We we love the whelp. It was very ridiculous, but like <laughs> I think I don't know what else I don't know what how else to describe the whelp besides it feels like a fever dream and you're just like, "Okay, I'm going along with this. I love this dog." Yeah. It was such a, ref- a breath of fresh air after Grum. Yeah. And then we had other villains in the series as well, but like not that were not as prominent as the whelp or maybe even only showed up in one or two episodes. Yeah. So we'll give them their honorable mentions here. So first was Spiderella, who was like a, like a entomologist, not entomologist, who just, or whatever. She was basically a scientist. An entomologist. But do they specifically study spiders, not bugs? Oh, let me study spider science. I can't believe I just built spider. Arachnology. Yeah, so she was like this arachnologist um, who loved Lucha Libre and loved Lobo Forte, like kept a poster of him in her office and would like watch like wrestling matches while she was at work. And it just accidentally drunk this like mutating venom instead of her water. Yeah, so, you know, like a true artist. Um, (laughs) And she becomes Spiderella, who's like this very over-the-top, like campy... Catwoman-esque villain who's going around turning, like, uh, everybody into spider monsters, and she wants to, like, kidnap Lobo Forte to make her, uh, make him her, uh, make him her king. I almost said queen, but, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I also love that, like, we were, like, on her side when she, like, like cocoons her boss, because it's like, yo, you don't pay her enough. Yeah, it's like, you don't acknowledge her work, and you don't pay her enough, so yeah. Right, right. Let her watch, like, Lucha, uh, Lucha Libre while she's at work. Yeah, like, uh, which the, she's the not hurting productivity, you weirdo. Yeah, but the episode does end with, like, the, the <laughs> her boss, like, actually giving her, like, an acknowledgement and spot on the door after this whole ordeal. <laughs> I don't know if it's out of, like, actual mutual respect or fear. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I was like, I enjoyed that. It was campy in the same way that, like, Uma Thurman in, um, Batman and Robin was. Yeah. Like, I love that. It was great. And then, uh, another one, another one of the characters was Alfred Shrub, which, like, as you noted here, Doug Dimmodome of the, uh, <laughs> Dugsdale Dimmodome. But evil. But evil. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, 
He comes in and he's like already supposed to be like this Texas oil tycoon character. Like he's, you know, he speaks with that really thick southern accent. And it it was supposed Um, to be like instead of oil tycooning, it was just him like, oh, look, he's building. He has these plants that will, uh, you know, help cut down pollution. And it turns out, no, he just wants to turn people into plant monsters. Yeah, so, like, because he's already, but yeah, they kind of play with the whole trope of the oil tycoon, who's, like, out to destroy, like, your local forest to, like, turn into, like, a, you know, yeah, uh, a nuclear waste plant or something like that. I Whatever, any of the weird plot contrivances they came up with in VR Troopers. Um, <laughs> so, like, they're, they're playing with that, so you're like, oh, maybe he's not evil. Oh, no, he's evil, but not in the way you were expecting. Yeah, he's evil uh, in the way of, like... With your technology, you could cure cancer, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into plants. Yeah, and like, oh god, his weird plant monster outfit at the end of the episode. Um, and then there was the mud monster. Shows up for like- He had no other name besides mud monster. Who shows up for like one episode and is kind of evil, and we kept making Austin Aries jokes- and poop monster jokes because it was it just looked like a small poop monster. Yeah, he looked like the Gogothan from fucking Dogma. And you know I don't ever want to bring up Kevin Smith, but like it, he looked like the shit monster. He did. He looked like the fucking shit demon from Dogma. And then like the 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 one with Alfred Trubb, he comes back, but this time is like fighting against Alfred and after they figured this out like at when uh the mud monster I think sw- accidentally like fused together with Lobo and uh Turbine and the the monster just kind of was like sa- you know sacri- basically sacrificed me to continue this fight yeah and like so it's like did he just become swamp thing or forest thing cuz like cuz apparently he was just living in the forest outside of um Union City yeah and then, like, so he comes back into town when Shrub comes back into town, basically to stop Shrub from, you know, his nefarious plant deeds. And by the end, when they're able to revive the the mud monster, like, they said, okay, well, uh, we will respect your environment. Basically letting him, like, you know, he, he controls the forest. Yeah. Outside of town. And they, they will leave him alone. Uh, so they're definitely, like, kind of setting him up to maybe sort of be, like, a reoccurring character. I mean, obviously, yes, he was a reoccurring character in terms of the series, but I feel like they were kind of maybe setting him up to maybe come back in the future with more environmentalist plots. Yeah. But, yeah, that's really about it for kind of characters on this show, so kind of let's move on to our odds and ends. You have to tell the story of how you got this. Right, Okay. Uh, so a couple of years ago, when we were kind of scoping out what we want to do for the podcast, I knew uh, I knew specifically we had it on our Flutter list for a while before we actually scheduled it. Just for full disclosure, this episode was originally planned to be Big Bad Beetleborgs, and then we looked at how long Big Bad Beetleborgs was, and we didn't want to do it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you're like, fuck that. Yeah, we will probably do Big Bad Beetleborgs at some point, but not this year yeah. um, or next year. But yeah. But prior to that, I I definitely had uh, Los Luchadores on the list, but I wanted to find it, and because I was looking for other Tokusatsu as well for like um like VR Troop. Not did I have to find VR Troopers? I don't remember. I was no Cutie Honey. I had to go find Cutie Honey. I had to go find uh, another future episode we're going to do, uh, and then I had to go find uh, Mystic Knights, uh, which is going to be an episode we're going to do early next year. Um. But I couldn't find Los Luchadores on um, Torrent sites. And 
Uh, so I went to YouTube and there were the episodes there, but they weren't in any like playlist order. So I was just like, okay, this person, this channel clearly has all of Los Luchadores, but it's not in order. So let me go to his channel, find the episodes and put them on a playlist. I go through that channel. It is all quicksand sinking videos. Like that is all the channel is, is quicksand sinking videos. And in the middle of all of these like hundreds, I, I, there's literally hundreds of videos quick, on yeah, this channel that are just quicksand. And I was just like, I'm scrolling through all of this being like, did I just stumble across somebody's fetish? Safer work YouTube fetish. Like and, Yeah. And I, so I'm just scrolling through it, just being like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I come across on this whole playlist, like on this channel is all of Los Luchadores just ripped waiting there. And like, so I, you know, so I put it all into a playlist and I decide I'm going to put this behind me forever. Uh, but then I mentioned it one time on, um, Twitter and our friend, uh, Dashing Soul J, uh, brought up like, oh God, the Mud Monster episode. And I'm like, what? Because there's literally an episode, the mud, first episode with the Mud Monster does involve quicksand. It does. <laughs> and I was just like, Wait, did this guy like seek out this series because it had a quicksand scene and then just watched it and like, huh, this kind of rules. Let me upload the whole thing to my YouTube channel. Uh, if you're out there, quicksand fetish dude, shine on you crazy diamond. You, you keep Lost Luchadores alive. Yes, because certainly no one else gives a shit about this show. <laughs> um, and, and we're more just laughing because it's like, this is definitely someone's fetish, not like, your kick is not my kick and that's okay. Yeah, like, I, that's one of those, I'm like, definitely not my kink, but, uh, you know, you're not hurting anybody else with this, then, uh, proceed. Proceed. <laughs> it's just funny that we found it on possibly someone's fetish channel. Yeah. Um, so an interesting, so kind of just a note about this is, uh, this was a co-production between, uh, Saban, obviously, and Shavik Entertainment, which was a Canadian-based, uh, production company. I believe they also did another co-production with Saban that was, like, the Adams Family live-action TV show, or at least one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should also note, this was sort of the last non-Power Rangers action show produced for Fox Kids by Saban prior to the Disney buyout. Yeah. Um... Which is kind of what interested me in covering this show when I was sort of researching for our floater list and I came on Saban's Wikipedia page, I came across Los Luchadores and I'm like, huh, I remember that show from my childhood. What if we cover that at some point as sort of a, a you know, a curiosity as yeah. it were? Yeah, curiosity. Because I, I, I remember it kind of being like tokusatsu, very action based. So it's like, okay, clearly this was just another like attempt at getting that Power Rangers money. And it kind of is, honestly, if yeah, you watch the show. It kind of is. Even like, though it hits a lot of the same kind of plot beats as a Power Rangers episode. We don't really like to give Shuki Levy too much credit for anything, but he was one of the co-writers um, co of the theme song, and it is a banger. It is a fucking, like that thing gets stuck in your head and you're like grooving to it. Yeah. And uh, so the the funny thing is the rips we got were from an Italian DVD because, of course, like some European country got a DVD rights to the show. And, yeah, like uh, Germany with <laughs> Mystic Knights. So like for the first, I think, set of episodes that were on the first DVD, they had the theme song to it. And then the rest of them 
just had this like generic action song and we're like what the fuck did they lose the rights to the theme song right and then but what's hilarious even more hilarious than that is that the theme song does pop up in the episodes as like kind of incidental music like similar to like go green ranger or whatever other weird ron wasserman songs that he would come up with (laughs) um so like yeah it's clearly a reoccurring incidental song in the show as well and like it's on there the actual episodes but it's not in the opening credits yeah we don't know how that worked. Uh, it's very uh, strange. It's probably because of like YouTube. Uh, this is how I know because of YouTubing is you can play a song for a certain period of time before you owe license. Mm. And I noticed that um, when they would play the incidental music, it was definitely as like that set time frame. So okay, that's it's just kind of weird that if this is ripped from the Italian DVD set, like. They just couldn't get the rights for the full song. Right. So what's really obnoxious about when we were watching this series and kind of going over it is that there is a supreme lack of knowledge about the series. Not not is that, oh, like, it's underground and nobody knows about it. Like, no. There is no, there's barely any information on the production. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, we know that Shavik co-produced it, that it was made in Toronto. We know when it aired. Like, we know um that you know obviously again co-production with saban entertainment um but like we don't really know any like we also know that like the there's there was originally like key art that was presented for the series probably helped pitch it that is way different than how the characters ended up looking in the final like in the final set of episodes but like you know we don't know anything about the production like we don't know what happened during the production we don't know what brought the show about yeah it's, um, it's pretty much like desert and even then like episodes were mislabeled we found out mm-hmm. with with like both on imdb wikipedia and, and all that and our dv even our dvd reps like some of these episodes seem to have been mislabeled it's like that clearly is not what's happening in this episode we had it was the last day of watching and we we're just watching this and it's like this does not seem like this episode yeah because like the naming conventions of the episodes were fairly obvious like um because you know you have like an episode titled like along came a spider or the brain drain or world without lobo and but all of a sudden they would have like they would be labeled on different episodes like the episode that was about spiderella that involves spiders was labeled as lobo limbo yeah and then like so then the last episode which was i believe the last episode that was in our watch that was uh that i believe should have been labeled the champ was labeled along came a spider and I, I don't know if it's a case of, like, if the episodes were misnamed on, like, TV listings and that's just what people have been going by to label them. Um, or, because, like, it's not just Wikipedia. It's IMDb. It's literally everywhere you could find anything about this series. Yeah, with the exception um, of, of the Italian episode titles, which you have to translate, and it's like, oh. And then, like, kind of match up what, like, the tr- the Italian translation is to, like, the list of na- episode name in English. Because I think what made us catch this was it, it was the episode, I think, was labeled Puppy Love or something. And it, like, we were like, where does this have to do with, like, the whelp or anything? Yeah, it was the Brain Swap episode where we realized this. Because it was the brain drain, like, um, it was obviously the brain drain. But for some reason, it was labeled as Here Comes the Sludge. Yeah, that's it. Um, that's it. And then, so I realized that. And I was like, oh, hang on, what episode was labeled as um, the brain drain? And it was the one that was titled Lobo Limbo. 
Uh, except that one wasn't even labeled as Lobo Limbo. Like, that one was just like, so wait, which episode was actually Lobo Limbo? And then so I had to go back further and realize that the episode with the spider lady was named Lobo Limbo. And there's also an episode listed as the future episode of Along Came a Spider. It's like, how long has this been mislabeled and how's nobody noticed? And like, it's just, it it drove me crazy. And then like, I don't even know why that one episode was called Puppy Love because it was about the water treatment plant. But there was like two episodes back to back that were about the whelp. So I don't know if those were mixed up or they were just couldn't think of a good name for them because like one episode was called Puppy Love and the other one was called A Good Whelp is Hard to Find. Yeah. So and like they both could have been named that too because the water treatment plant had the one where like everyone was going to fall in love with the whelp, I think. Yeah, or they were going to come, they were turning to bone soldiers. Yeah, they were turning to bone um, soldiers. So I guess work for the whelp. And mm-hmm. then, like, but, like, uh, a good whelp is hard to find is uh, literally the episode where everybody was dreaming about how much they love the whelp and how good he was. So I'm like, I don't even, at that point, it's like, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that was a pain in the ass. And, like, another thing that, like, yeah, obviously, like I said, we said earlier, is that the or- episodes were clearly aired out of order. Like, I don't know what the intended airing order was, but it seems like the last episode should have been, um, let's see. I can't even remember which one. I think it was A Good Whelp is Hard to Find. Um, oh yeah, because it was A Good Whelp is Hard to Find because it ends with, like, an injured whelp coming into Union City Arena and freezing everybody. Yeah. And, like, it seems like that's a cliffhanger you actually end the series on, or at least end your first season on. And then it literally goes, the next episode is World Without Lobo, which is highly unrelated to what happened in that previous episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was just, like, again, since there's very little behind-the-scenes stuff, we, like, we don't know how the series was cast, like, why they decided to go with Luchadors is kind of their next attempt. I don't, like, we, like, we never even got any attempts at merch or toys, like, and it seems like Fox Kids, like, aired this in a two-month span just to burn it off. Yeah. So, and this is, like, this would have been around, like, I think around the time that, like, they were about to, like, sell to Disney. So it might have just been, like, okay, we contracted the series, so we're just gonna throw it on the air and not worry about it. Yeah. Uh, like, the only thing I could find of, like, I couldn't actually find the actual promotional like cd but like apparently the only thing i could find that was in terms of like any sort of merch or promotional items besides like i um our friend jesse had some fox kids like um magazines that talked about the series Mm -hmm. apparently there was like apparently a promotional cd that had the theme song and the other sort of like um song that they use regularly the uno dos tres cuatro los luchadores like Mm. that song but I couldn't find it on eBay, so, like, if it's out there, it's very rare, uh, but not rare enough for people to hike up the price on, because apparently somebody bought it for, like, five bucks on eBay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, like, that's another thing is we don't know who currently owns the rights to this show. Like, oh, yeah. Like- obviously, we were able to find it on YouTube pretty easily, because whoever owns the rights to it does not care enough to copyright strike whoever actually has it uh, uploaded to their channel. Yeah. But we don't know, like, does Disney still technically own the rights? Because, um, like, cause was it occluded with the Saban buyout? Like, did it revert back to Shavik Entertainment at some point? The Saban, is it one of the properties that Saban sold to Hasbro? Like, we honestly just do not know. Yeah. 
And I would love to try to find out, but like I, I even looked up Shavik Entertainment and their one, their website. I don't even know if it's actually the Shavik Entertainment because it just talks about online gambling. Oh no! Yeah, so I don't know. Like I'm, I am so curious about like what what brought this series about and who actually has you know has the rights to this buried somewhere among anything else. But like, and again, it's just we don't know. We don't know. If you are listening to this and you do know, please email us because I would love to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> email us at rangersplain at gmail.com. Yes. Um, so I guess in that sense, is the show technically a lost media? It's getting there. It's I it's I think if it wasn't for that YouTube channel with Quicksand, it would it would be a complete lost media at this point. Yeah, I mean obviously you have like you know, there are the Italian DVDs out there, so obviously you have some media preservation with it, but, like, in terms of, like, yeah, it's, like, unless, if you didn't have somebody who had uploaded those episodes, yeah, I don't think, not to say, like, nobody would remember that the show exists, like, I remembered this show existed. Yeah. But, like, you wouldn't be able to easily find it. Um, And that's just so weird, and especially because, like, I think that's just something people take for granted these days of just like, oh, well, you can easily like go and buy, if you can't easily go and buy like Blu-rays of your favorite like TV show or movie, you can find it on a streaming service or you can, you know, rent it on YouTube or something like that. Like it's very easy to take for granted that like, no, these are not, you know, there are still stuff out there that is not as easily accessible and is like, on the verge of just, you know, being totally lost media. As we mentioned, you know, you never see them without the mask, which is actually pretty accurate to Lucha Libre. But, like, the wrestling in the show, like, the actual wrestling, because every episode uh, opens in media res in a, w- with, you know, Lobo Forte and Turbine, and I think one episode, Maria Valentine, wrestling in a match. The wrestling's not very good. No, it's, uh, we, one of the things we kept pointing out was how, like, one of the things that kept bugging us was, like, how Lobo pins people is actually an arm bar. Like, that's a submission. Yeah, and so, like, yeah, I guess technically if somebody's shoulders are down, you can count it as a pin, but, like, you have to keep somebody's shoulders down. It's not very easy to do that in an arm bar. Yeah, so it's like, that, that's a submission. He, that person should be tapping. And then... Yeah. What like, are the- put, some, put some crank on it, Lobo! Yeah! <laughs> Make it look like you're Uh-oh. about to break it off like your Pentagon. Yeah! Um, <laughs> which we also just wish Pentagon would come in and just break the arm of Turbine. Um, but <laughs> it, it also, like, if affected, like, the the... Like, the the shooting of the action, I've noticed, because we've been, for the past couple of times watching Power Rangers, we're very used to a very, like, smooth and very good action quality. Right. With Power Rangers. Because Power mm-hmm. Rangers does a good job with that. And then all of a sudden, we're watching, like, them cutting away a lot to try to finagle things, and you're like, damn. Did yeah, because it's like, I don't know, like, if they had an actual wrestling trainer, or if they just gave them... You know, they just had a stunt person give them very basic, like, training on how to actually do wrestling moves. Uh, again, not well. And I think they probably did cut between some stunt people who were actually doing some of the stunts as well. Um, again, I don't know. But it was just, it was not very well done. And I was just wondering if, like, 
I wonder if there was maybe some uh, indie like wrestlers in Vancouver who might have been involved with this, but I really doubt it. And like, it kind of reminded me in contrast of a series like Glow, where like, um, when I say Glow, I don't mean Glow the 80s, like Saturday morning wrestling show. I mean, Glow the Netflix series starring Alison Brie. Where, like, you know, they had, you know, they had training from Chavo Guerrero, who is, you know, a member of the Guerrero family of luchadors, actually, you know, helping them train to, like, make their wrestling look passable. And they actually got actual, like, wrestlers on the show. Yeah, because, like, Awesome Kong is one of the characters on the show. They had, they had my favorite. They had Christopher Daniels on there. Yeah, like, he was a, yeah, he was an extra in, like, one of the episodes. Like, that that episode also involves, like, Alex Riley and Joey Ryan. But yeah, they would they would get like for extras, they would get actual wrestlers. And you're seeing that too with I think um Stephen ML's like new show coming out where it's about Mm -hmm. a wrestling family, where I think like they actually have CM Punk come in, you know. So you're seeing a lot of you see a lot of that, but definitely if indie wrestlers from Vancouver were involved in that show, I don't think they made it much anywhere. Yeah, and like it's also surprising as like I because f- all I can really guess is that maybe with Los Luchadores they were trying to maybe get in on some of the zeitgeist around uh, the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, but like they were a little too late on it because yeah, it was, like it's right at the end of the Attitude. Yeah, it's right at the end of the Attitude Era because it was these aired in two thousand one, so it would have been right at the end of the Attitude Era, and I think WCW had already folded at that point. Yeah. Um, so I think they were trying to catch some of that zeitgeist, but like. They didn't, I don't think they had the budget to actually get actual wrestlers to, like, guest star on the, or work on the show. Yeah. So, I don't know, again, I don't, it's one of those things of, like, since there is no production information on the show, I can't confirm if that's what they were trying to do, or if there's actual, like, you know, indie wrestlers, like, local indie wrestlers who are involved in the production. Uh, um, kind of two things I want to end on that is, one, the editing of the action definitely looked like it was done by Kevin Dunn. Yes. <laughs> um, who's terrible, his terrible WWE editing is a no thing. The other was, I, I kind of made the joke that, the, like, Kenny Omega was involved in this series, but that's the thing he's embarrassed about. He's not embarrassed about being in Sissy Boy Slap Fight, which is a really weird film to watch if you want to go watch something. No, he's embarrassed by that. Yeah, I mean, besides the fact he'd be too young to be on the show. <laughs> Possibly, um, he would be in 18 or something. Okay, because it was 2000. 2000, 2001, he would be 17, 18, so he could possibly have been old enough. He's like my sister's age. Right, but then I don't know how, I granted, I don't know how long it gets to go from Winnipeg to Vancouver, but who knows? Um, knows? (laughs) That is just a hilarious theory theory that very, very young Kenny Omega, uh, fresh out of high school, (laughs) did this job. Yeah, again, we cannot confirm that. I doubt, and I doubt Kenny Omega is listening to our episode. Yeah. If you are, give us money. Subscribe to our Patreon, jerk. (laughs) It's like, if you are listening to uh, Kenny Omega, you're not a jerk, we don't think. We don't think you're a jerk, no. But give us money. (laughs) Yes, please give us money. Um, (laughs) Patreon.com slash Rangersplain. So, and kind of going back to, like... Along with that, is that the mask? There's an like going back to the Diablo Azul episode is because the whole thing is revolving around that they go to a mask maker to make them new masks, and it's the only time you ever see them actually take their masks off, but they never reveal their face. Yeah. Um. 
So they go to his mask maker to make them new masks, and he has to do, like, a plaster mold of their face in order to do that. So I don't know if he was, like, doing, um, if he was doing it just to make, like, a new wig head, like, like a wig head to, like, help form, specially form the mask, or, like, that's how, that's his backwards way of making the mask is by, like, using it with, like, the, I don't know, it just seems really weird. I feel like you could just get measurements of their head. (laughs) That that's how it's usually done too. It's like people just get measurements of the head and use like um a sort of like head, like a mm-hmm. uh, something to kind of just put something on the head. I forgot what was recommended once. Um, you know, it, 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 speaking of patrons, if you want to join um Kate Nix's Patreon, you will also look into how mask makers work because part of that is closet champion. And uh, like I think like there was one time they went over kind of what tools to use to make masks with and it definitely wasn't plaster casting people it was definitely like a a certain like head that you kind of use and you kind of like do like duct tape and stuff to form like stuff around the head and all that yeah and plus also like keeping around plaster casts of various luchadors just seems very inefficient yeah it does like okay so where are you where are you storing these well first of all how are you making sure that their identities are still protected, second of all? Yeah, it's like, it just, that would- It just doesn't seem very efficient, or, like, time-effective, or space-effective. It just- Like- It definitely was- There's just a storage unit somewhere of just luchador heads, which is- Oh, God, that's terrible to think about. That's- One, that could be- That could have been a great episode later on, is some- The whelp was trying to find the actual identity of Lobo Forte and, I guess, Turbine. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other, I'm just like, you, the guy isn't that good of a mask maker. <laughs> yeah, because they're talking about, oh, he's the best mis- mask maker in the city. And, like, you actually look at their masks, and they're not very well done. Definitely. <laughs> like, they're, they're these mas- masks can very, be very easily ripped off at any point. Yeah, it's like, I'm just looking at them, and I'm just like, wow, these look like what you would buy on, like, eBay or something. Yeah, because, like, specifically with, like, ring-ready luchador masks, like, you want to make them to stay on. Um, yeah. Especially if you are in a, you know, if, if you are having a, a an actual Lucha Libre a, um, match uh, with another, you know, with another luchador, is that you want them to actually, like, stay on. Like, I remember, like, something years ago um, in WWE, this is when uh, Del Rio was still there, unfortunately, but like there's a there's a, he was having a match with Kalisto and uh, Kalisto's masks in WWE have a Velcro on the back because he typically doesn't have to worry about somebody trying to grab at his mask. Um, Del Rio and sucks. Del Rio grabbed at his mask and it came off. Oh no! And like like to credit to Del Rio here, he immediately realized what happened because he does come from a luchador family and like he immediately like. Like, because Kalisto covered it, like, covered his face and obscured his face. So, like, Del Rio helped him get it back on. Um, but yeah, it's like, because that's a, that's a thing is that, you know, you never, like, a luchador never reveals their face unless it's a specific, like, incident. Uh, or at least if they're a mass luchador, they never purposely reveal their face unless, like, it is, you know, specifically intended of, like, you know, in a mask versus mask match or something like that. Yeah, or. And, um. And then you're so, like, oh no, they're hot. Yeah, it just happens so <laughs> more often than you would think. <laughs> they take the mask off and they're like, oh my god, they're beautiful. <laughs> uh, the real reason why they had... Yeah, the real reason why they had a mask on. 
Um, so yeah, they, so, yeah, so it's basically, you know, if you have an actual, like, luchador mask that's not, you know, Velcro suture, because nobody in WWE is going to be usually trying to grab at your mask, um, you know, you want something that has, like, really tight ties or, like, a, you know, a tight zipper. What, uh, what suggestion was, like, a buckle? A buckle. Yeah, or a buckle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, they are made to stay on your face. (laughs) Yeah. Purposefully. They're they're pur- um, purposely made for that. And it's just looking at that, I'm like, these can easily be ripped off or they're just they just look so cheap. Yeah. And, and it's like it's a, it's a Saban show. I expect it to be cheap. Yeah, it's it's like, well, we know of better gear and mask makers that could do way better. Yeah, we we're not experts by any means, obviously, but oh, like yeah. we know we know enough people. That we can at least clock when, like, oh, that is not really a well-made mask, or oh, that is a very badly executed wrestling move. Yeah, it's like we we can clock those things pretty well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess on our final point is uh, kind of the alternate reality, and you kind of talked about this on Twitter uh, before you recorded. Was uh, we we just kind of were like, what if Robert Rodriguez made this show? Yeah. So. There's kind of two ways that I can imagine, like, an alternate universe where Robert Rodriguez is the one helming Los Luchadores, is that you do it like Lucha Underground, um, like the TV show Lucha Underground, where, you know, it is obviously a wrestling show with a large overarching plot, uh, but you make it for kids. So, like, everything's set at Union City Arena... Um, you know, you have, you know, actual wrestlers playing Lobo and Turbine and Maria and they, you know, and you have other people come in as well. Maybe you have like, you know, somebody play Ranger Rodney. Um, that was, that was was a dumb character. Yeah. He was just like, he was John Cena, but evil. (laughs) evil. So Flip Uh, Gordon. (laughs) Yeah, he was Flip Gordon. (laughs) Um, so, you know, you have like, you know, maybe like have the well bets wrestle or like. Definitely you keep know, the Spiderella well. or <laughs> Spiderella is so you- like backstory could have like worked too. Yeah, so like you know you kind of just have it be like a Lucha Underground style show, like that's aimed at children. Um, or or you could do it as a movie similar to Spy Kids or um, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah, I was, uh, I, that where- was definitely. I kept on thinking of like, oh man, it would have been like a cool Spy Kids thing too. Yeah, because it's like it just it had that vibe, you know. Yeah. So like, I just I I just mentally imagining like this, you know, this movie version of Los Luchadores, where you know, he's, like you have actual like l- you know Latinx actors cast as um you know your main characters, and it's uh, it, the main first movie would be it would basically be like Batman and Robin, but for chill like for more for children, you know, with the whelp as your main villain and like. And my cracked out version of my brain, Lady Gaga, Spiderella. <laughs> D- Danny Trejo is there for whatever reason. Yeah, it makes Danny Trejo Laurent in that situation. Yes! You know? It just feels, it feels so right. Yes! Uh, so yeah, that's the alternate universe I like to imagine. Who well, you knows, maybe if Disney, like, realizes, oh, yeah, we have the rights to this. Uh, hey, Robert, we have you on payroll with, uh, with that Boba Fett series. You want to do this? <laughs> And maybe like, they, they combine both? Yeah, like, maybe, like, the you do the movie, and then, like, it leads into the TV series. Yeah. That's, like, uh, 
you know, I don't think Robert Rodriguez is listening to this podcast, but you know, just just you know, cut me on like one percent of like anything, and I'm I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, we'll be nicer to the year than we were at Kenny earlier. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like Robert Rodriguez. What can I say? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, that's really it we have for uh, Los Luchadores. So kind of, what's our final verdict? Is pretty enjoyable. Yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, out of the non-Power Rangers Ameritoku stuff we have covered so far, this has so far been my favorite. Uh, it was a very interesting concept using luchadors to fight crime, much like old luchador movies, but give it like a childish and Batman 66 kind of twist to it. Uh, kind of sad it didn't have a longer run because it was very fun and, and a very energetic uh, kids show definitely one that you know i wouldn't you know i don't need like an overarching plot as a child to get hooked on it but it would be fun to tune in uh mm-hmm. minus turbine though he was he was definitely the biggest drag mm-hmm. um i wanted to spend more time in union city but not overstay uh much like vr troopers being just 92 episodes of nothing uh i'm kind of you know glad of the short stay but wish i could have stayed long yeah like as i said i do actually have memories of watching this sh- uh, show as a child but for years, I thought I either misremembered it or that it was insanely dumb if I had ever gone back to it. And, well, it, it is dumb. Like, straight up. But it's enjoyably so. Uh, it's got the right amount of camp. And I feel like it have come out maybe two years earlier or 15 years later. Like we've mentioned with, like, our, you know, our uh, Lucha Underground style um, alternate universe. It would have maybe been a bigger hit. Uh, if nothing else, it's a fun little nearly lost media nugget to spend uh, burn an afternoon on and even if you don't like it hey you didn't waste too much of your time <laughs> but you might like it you might fun. like it it's pretty fun uh all right and that's it for the show uh as always we'd like to thank kate nix uh for our theme song you can find her on twitter at the goblin mother uh as well as kate where you can find her band camp uh, merch, her Patreon that I mentioned earlier, where, yeah, for about $2, you can, uh, join a Discord with a lot of chill people. And, uh, streaming. Uh, as of publishing this episode, Lullaby Lounge is set to return Tuesday, August 7th, as a streaming show. And she is currently releasing old episodes of the Lullaby Lounge in podcasts. Uh, we also like to thank Joe Hunter for our art. Uh, you can find him uh, most anywhere, Twitter and Patreon at Joe underscore Hunter. Uh, Instagram, he is Joe Bloody Hunter. And he also has a Threadless store, uh, joehunter.threadless.com. After the shirts and designs from uh, his comic that he co-create, uh, creates with Land Pitts called Beast Heart Strikers, which the third issue is currently out on Comixology and uh, does feature uh, us truly on uh, in there, uh, looking... Looking at someone suspiciously looking like Alex Shelley. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you can also, he did a backup for Radiant Black issue four, if you want to check that out as well. Uh, We want to thank Kurt Yoder for editing the podcast. Uh, You can find him on Great SG Creations on Etsy. We're still kind of selling pearl art right now. And you can also check him out at Great SG Pixels on Twitter. All right, and we want to give a special shout out and thanks to uh, Dino Winwood. He's been a wrestling personality for 20 years, and that includes commentary. So that is why we contacted him to do an improvisational commentary earlier in this podcast. Uh, you can find him on his Twitter at Price Howdy. Our wrestler of the podcast is the greatest pro wrestler of all time, and he has beaten all your favorites, Chico El Luchador.
He is totally not Rocky Romero. No. 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 (laughs) Even though his merch is on Rocky's site. Probably because Chico is too busy fathering children through staring staring at people and uh, beating up Vince Jr. for his money. Uh, you can find him at ChicoLLuchador.com or his merch, RockyRomeroMerch.com. And always remember, never job. All right. I wonder if they tried to get Chico for the series, but he was too expensive. Yeah, Chico was probably way too expensive for them to get for this. So for me, as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under at Miss Kitty F. You can also find on my Twitter link tree to all of my accounts to have my uh, my it, uh, my itchio uh, itchio itchio. I never know how to pronounce it. Uh, my Gumroad and also my shop where I still have masks and zines available for sale. Uh, so that one is Ashley-Leckwell.square.site. You have heard me recite this so many times at this point. So go check that out, and I hope to see you there. All right. my uh, I have two Instagrams. One I need to update a little bit more often, which is uh, Witchcraft and Cats, which is just the uh, cat's Instagram where you can find Coda, our uh, podcast mascot, as well as his siblings, Joe, Blackjack, and Henry. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under the Velociriker. Uh, and, uh, I have my own soap, uh, and candle store called Coda's Magical Crafts. Uh, it's on Twitter, Patreon, and Instagram at Coda's Crafts, as well as the website is codas-magical-crafts.square.site. As always, you can find us on, uh, Ranger Splain on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we really need to use our Instagram more. And, uh, as well as Patreon for, uh, $2 a month, you can, uh, subscribe and get these episodes early, as well as some other goodies, including our Sticker of the Month Club. And we're also on WordPress at rangersplain.wordpress.com, as well as, uh, basically any streaming platform you have. If, uh, if there is a ranking service, uh, especially with Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a review and, um, rank and, and a star rating. Five stars. Five, five stars. stars. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. You've been listening to us for so long. Give us five stars. Because of the algorithm, we must beat the it. Algorithm. So yeah, and that's it for this month. Next month, we're going back to Power Rangers to the city of Briarwood, where we check out the magical source of Mystic Force. As always, stay safe and may the power protect you. Go. Go.